What is up, party people? How we doing, America? So sorry about the first stream. Something happened. Paul pressed the button. You know how old people get when they get around technology. They go, oh, that's shiny. Click. This is what happens when you invite people to sit third chair. The machines all malfunction. They rebel against you. The machines are racist, and the only white person they like is uh, Scott. So uh, anyway, welcome to Two Americas. I am Zynga. This is Scott. Um, I am black. He is white. And we are patriotic. We are the conservative couple. And tonight... We have in third chair, third my wheel. third wheel, my political father. <laughs> peep, 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 I was kind of hoping for the older brother thing, but you know, uh, she's been actually. I am old. You started it, so yeah, I am old. But thanks for joining us on the show, man. That's great. Thanks it's for good to have you here. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had a third chair guest since John Robinson III, so we're hoping it'll work out just as well. And we hope you have some interesting insight into some of the things we're discussing. Take two. Exactly. This is take two, one hundred percent. For those of you who had to watch us talking in complete silence and wondering what the hell is going on, that's well, we're starting it from the top. Gosh, Lord have mercy. Jesus, <laughs> praise you. This makes me miss my days in a the theater when I was in college. You know, like, you were a theater person I was in a college. Theater major in college. Yeah. I'm actually not surprised. Yeah. Can you like ballet and stuff? Uh, I can't ballet. I dated ballerinas, but it's not the same thing. Ow. Yeah. You really, were they fem female? <laughs> there's a, there's a ballerina is an actual. They're all ballerinas to be, honey. Yeah, we are. What is, a, what is a male ballerina? A ballerina. Ballet dancer. Yeah. Ballet-er. Ballatino. You know, I never even asked. <laughs> That's a good I, question. I never even asked. What is a male like, ballerina? Comment in the section below. Yeah. Go Google that ish and Somebody comment. Somebody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for those of you who are just tuning in and you're a little bit confused as to what's going on, we lost uh, we lost power to something and we had to scramble to get our stream back up. So we just started it from the top for the sake of all the viewers who are looking at us moving our mouths like we were in a bad Japanese flick with no subtitles. So, um, <laughs> this is the real stream. This is the real show. It's just starting a little bit late thanks to technical difficulties. But anyway, uh, let's get to our main topics for the night. Let's. We've got ourselves a nice little speech here from the Emmys. Maybe you can pull that up for us. Yes, darling. I don't know how many of you watch the Emmys. It seems like the ratings are crashing year after year. But uh, seems like they still have ratings. Apparently, somebody watches it somewhere. But uh, they, they all have parents, right? They have mothers. They have mothers that are like, mothers. "Look at my baby go!" Oh my god, I'm so proud of Seth. Well, Mr. Rogan, speaking of Seth, had something to say about COVID nineteen. He's so old. Yeah, he's looking gray around the ears. There, he's still younger than me. Let it go. <laughs> but he looks bad because he doesn't drink oh, the blood of babies. He probably doesn't have. Or you don't drink the blood of babies. No. Ready? Yeah, let's make sure it pulls it's up. It's really insane. I was not expecting that. That's like when I was, I was, like when I was listening to music with my mom, with my mom and, and she knew all the words to WAP. WAP. Uh, <laughs> it took me by surprise. <laughs> Is it WAP or WAP? I don't know. Um, anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. <laughs> Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. 
It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. <laughs> Actually, that was kind of funny. Listen, it's, a, it's a funny bit, but he's also a rank hypocrite, and they're all laughing at us. Little, little did Seth Rogen know that Donald Trump set them all up. <laughs> he wanted to kill the Hollywood left, so he had them all show up in their hermetically sealed tent. He said, die. If only Trump die. was as, as, as fascistic and dictatorial as the left actually proclaimed him if to he be, thought that no far one ahead. would be alive. If only he thought that far ahead. We're <laughs> <If, if only laughs> all fired. <laughs> if, if only he was actually playing 4D chess. <laughs> We, we wouldn't oh, even have a left in America to worry about. Oh my goodness! They're not. He, uh, Trump isn't Paul, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. But these people, these people, they can't be serious. Still plotting. Right? And here's the thing: Seth makes a good point. You know, there was even I saw some headline where they're saying like, "Oh, Seth's like asking critical questions." Might have been the Hill, but let's let's be real. He didn't walk out of there. He didn't stop doing the show when he realized that the COVID protocols weren't being followed. He didn't leave on principle and Did call everyone a hypocrite. I don't see him wearing a mask while he gives this, this jokey speech in front of all of his rich friends. When you're in front of a camera all the time, um, COVID doesn't get you. Yeah. Like when you walk from the restaurant door to the table. Exactly. You know, it, it, it can get you then yeah, when you sit down. When you sit down at the table, you're fine. Mm -hmm. okay. Listen, here's the thing. You could make the argument that everybody in this uh, event was vaccinated, fully vaccinated with the third booster or fourth booster, however many boosters are available right now, 18. and all of the hoity-toities. <laughs> but these are the same people that will lecture you and actually influence policy with millions of dollars in ad campaigns and tell you that you have to mask your children all day long in school, make them sit six feet apart, and then you can't go into a Walmart without a mask on or being fully vaccinated. And yet there they are all in the same room glorify themselves in this giant masturbatory circle jerk and not a single one of them is wearing masks and not a single one of them, even when they recognize their own hypocrisy, Ew. leaves the room in protest. Why? Because they're not really afraid of the virus. It's Seth all just Rogan, messaging. Ew. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you do that? They're not afraid. Listen, they're not no, afraid. Nobody has stood up so far and said, oh my God, these people at the Emmys are killing grandma because they're not wearing them. Nobody has said one word about that. No. It's the, again, I always call it the hypocrisy of the left. Do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I don't even think it's hypocrisy anymore. I think they legitimately don't believe anything that they say. And as long as they can get the proles to fight for them, they can right. say whatever they want. Yeah, it's a dictatorial, di dictatorial class. They like being in charge and they like telling people what to do. We're all, we're all plebes, right? Yeah, we are the serfs in yeah. the kingdom. But yeah, you know, the next time you watch these people, don't. Change the channel. Find something better to do. Maybe watch a drama. You know what I've been start I've started watching? Buck Rogers. I kid you not. Stop. Buck Rogers. Bring it back old Buck school. Buck freaking Rogers. Is it, is it like Buck Rogers from the 1980s? Buck Rogers? Indeed. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know why? He was masculine. He was kind of sexy. Was he? He saved it. Are you kidding me? Did you see him in that white suit? Oh, you got to ask a woman to understand. That okay, Every, everything the was just. The chicks on the show was hot. What was her name? All Aaron, the chicks Aaron in the show were hot. Was That's hot. what I like about it. Like we were watching this show on Netflix called Clickbait, and Scott and I were walking the dog, and I said, "Scott, did you notice like one of the main chicks is this white girl, and she's just like a hot mess white chick. She like gets super drunk, goes home, steals her roommate's food." mascara and eyeliner smeared down here she's just like cursing in front of her mom FSGD, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like she is not a southern belle by any means and the there's a cop in the show who's a muslim and he's interested in her 
He's like he's like a well put together guy and from a conservative family. And he yeah, but well. he's he's clean cut and looks good. And I nice was like, guy. now all the leading women are ugly, and she's a, she's a good actress actually, but she's just not cute, objectively speaking. And then you watch Buck Rogers, and everybody's like. <laughs> looking like a Bond girl. And I'm like, I want to look like that Every when I grow up. One. Every single one. Why do you think I wear this hair? Because I want to look like a Buck Rogers girlfriend. <laughs> oh, you got your Buck Rogers What's right here, robot? baby. What was his name? Tweaky? Oh, that's Twiggy? Right Twingy? But he made the most annoying noises. But anyway. <laughs> I was like, Buck really? Rogers. That's the sound you decide to make? I got to tell you, I'm just having an 80s flashback all of a sudden. I do it. it. Do yeah, it. I lived it. Just saying. I lived it. I lived it for a few days. <laughs> Cradle Robin over here. <laughs> Who's Cradle? Who? I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm the dad. I'm not. The, I'm not the boyfriend. Fiance. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> My wife is age appropriate. All right. Your wife is sissy. <laughs> okay. But you know what? This brings up a good point. Is oh. like all of the best TV shows right now are ones that are from like the pre woke era. So I've been finding myself being unable to see anything good on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And so I'm going back and I'm rewatching stuff from my childhood. I'm watching like nineties anime. I'm watching like old movies from like 2001 because everything's like post 2008 has got so much woke BS shoehorned into it that it's like unwatchable. Wait, as a, as a lifelong, this, this is my nerd, really nerd geek moment right now. Well, you already told us you were in theater. So oh, that's even, yeah, it's even worse. We know. So as a comic book collector, I've always been a comic book collector since I was a kid. See, she's laughing at me. She's laughing. <laughs> Open up a comic these days. Just go buy one, mm-hmm. right? I mean, DC has pride logos now. I mean, Ugh. if you open it up inside, everything, oh, it's woke, 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 woke. Everybody who's going woke is going broke. Once they start changing what they do to a political narrative, turns people off, people walk away. Football, basketball, whatever, I don't care anymore. You'll be surprised to know this, but I have watched videos of your type of nerds and they talk about how how comic books are going awoke and they talked about Marvel specifically and Marvel came out with like a new set of, I don't know if you know about this, maybe you do, a new set of superheroes and like one is like, like awoke this and she's like super great on social media and then another one, do, and but it's taken it's like from non-binary twins, exactly. Like something else. It, it's taken from other superheroes that already exist. Absolutely, <laughs> but so, they're all gay. <laughs> so that's what. Okay, so this is what they're doing. They're taking a character. I don't care whatever character it is. And first of all, if the character was Green Lantern, now Green Lantern has to be a female. If uh, or in this case, Alan Scott, who was the original Green Lantern, now after eighty some years that Alan Scott was created, now he's come out gay. Uh, after he's had two kids from two different women, but now he's gay. He's like, those women done broke my heart. But I, I don't know what happened between 1942 and now. But again, how about this? How about create a character that has that lifestyle? See if that character can can become a character that people can follow and it'll be a popular character as right. opposed to taking an existing character and now putting a woke title on them. Or even when they, like the Wonder Years. I used to watch the Wonder Years, and now they've made it into a black family. Instead of just making a new family that took place in the 80s. Yeah, which pisses me off because it's like, look, we you want to create a compelling drama about a black family. There's a gazillion ways to do that, and it's totally plausible to do. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they had to do the Wonder Years and even redo like all the aspects of the Wonder Years, including like the grainy footage intro and all that sort of stuff, really? means they're trying to co-op mm-hmm. something that used to belong to another race that they feel they can get away with. Now imagine this in the reverse. Imagine if, I don't know, 
do we, roots. We had a we had a famous roots we had a reverse. famous we had a famous black comedy drama, right? <laughs> From the seventies or eighties, like a beloved show. Use good and times. Then you, yeah. And we and then you basically just recast everyone as white. Right? If they change good times to white, I would be so pissed. I grew up on good times. It was before my time, but my family used to make us watch it. I, I'm sorry. I, I missed the point where some girl who went to prom in, in a in a in a Japanese or a Chinese dress, the whole internet mm-hmm. went nuts on these words, cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. They went nuts. I remember that, that phrase. I remember that. So you go nuts over a dress, but it's completely okay to just take a show and say, hey, we don't even have to rewrite this show. We've got all the material already. All we got to do is change the family a little bit. But you don't understand. When it's against white people, it's okay. Well, seeing them doing the same because thing. Because morality. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. With, they're I'm doing the same like, thing with uh, like oh, Ghostbusters, right? Like and Ocean's 13. Oh, they're God. They're just trying to do gender swaps now. Oh, God. Like, here's the thing. If you want, <laughs> like, I, I hear this all the time in a various, like, uh, forums when it comes to, like, say, comic books or, like, sci-fi or this, that, the other. Everybody always laments the fact that there's not enough black content out there, like, genuinely black stuff. And I actually will say, I'm like, look, there's plenty of black stuff. What you're not seeing, though, is original content. What you're not seeing is stuff that, like that's actually from Africa. Right. There's all kinds of cool African mythology. There's all kinds of cool African characters. You're named after one of them. They could do an amazing show about the actual Nzinga. Nzinga. Right? And so my thing is, is I'm, like, like that. I'm like, instead of trying to like take away um, existing fandom and redirect it into some kind of woke ideology towards black people or white people or lesbians or whatever – why not just create something that's really good in its place that's original? You know what happens? Writers and creative people who don't subscribe to wokeism, they don't get their stuff looked at. Right. You have to be black or gay or love Ibram X Kendi or whatever. Remember, that, that, would, that would take creativity and originality. And for some strange reason, the places where we seem to look for that, which used to be Hollywood or even writers for comic books or content mm-hmm. or anything else, they don't have the ability to create something unless they're tearing something down at the same time. You know what? I say this. I say this about the Biden administration, too, because the Biden, I call it the clown administration. Like these people, I mean, they're bombing kids and they're like, did you who did you bomb? I don't know. They don't know anything. Ice they, cream. Get, they get asked and they're just like, well, 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 see, Senator, I'm not sure uh, what 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 I'm doing. Well, it's the same with Democrats. You either have to pass it to know what's in it or you have to bomb somebody to know who it was. The <laughs> only the only reason that you yep. have like your uh, what's the secretary of state? What's his name? Uh, Blinken. Anthony Blinken. Blinken. Blinken, and, uh, Blinken. Yeah. yeah. Blinken. He I'm like I told Scott, I said the he has his job because he kissed enough butts when he was young and he worked his way up socially because he didn't get the job because he's smart. I think it's the same way in Hollywood. These people don't get their their stuff uh, uh, taken seriously because they're good at what they do, it's like, oh, you know? No, they sleep with Harvey Weinstein. I was going to say, I was just about to say, he, uh, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, they're talented people. He's who, willing to. Uh, How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so you want to be a pictures? Can you imagine Harvey Weinstein looming over you, taking his drawers down? And I ain't trying to be like that, but you know, <laughs> you know it was wrinkly. <laughs> And you're just like, my career, my career, Ain't no my, way career, he groomed. my career. You know he didn't groom either, right? Hello, please. Harvey Weinstein tried to touch me. He's laying on the floor over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like Harvey Weinstein on top of me. I can't move. <laughs> I can't breathe. Bring the crane. I can't breathe. Bring the crane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh, we got self-topic. <laughs> well, you know, this, 
it just, <laughs> it, it just goes to show you though, like everything deteriorates in the arts. And this is why you can have Seth Rogen up there, you know, pointing his finger at all of his friends and having a good laugh with them about which hypocrites they are You're and then not doing anything about it. And nobody cares. Right. And it's the same thing with Netflix. You know, they can put on stuff like cuties, which is, you know, basically child porn. And then everybody kind of gives them a little naughty, naughty. And then they're like, Oh, that's art. Right. And then get all the art critics from all the over the world. The human body is beautiful. Even if is, it's prepubescent. This is art. And it's like, look, I just want to go back to the 90s when, when <laughs> stories were pure, women were women, men were men, non-binary wasn't a thing. And when people have made sexual advances on one another, people didn't sit over there in a corner grumbling going like, oh, that's a sexual rape. That's rape. That's rape culture. It's like, no, it's a woman and a man. They they do this. That's well, the normal. same ones that talk about rape culture are also doing gross things to gay men in bars. Do you remember that story with Don Lemon? Oh, yeah. And he stuck his hands <laughs> down his pants and then he brought them out. And he slid his fingers across the man's nose. That would be a dead individual. Thing. Wouldn't he be dead? I think I would try to hit him. I would lose. I would lose that fight. But the story would have been black black female fights Don Lemon in gay bar. <laughs> and wins. <laughs> and wins. Because it's Don Lemon. Easily. Hands down. But like, and he, he said he was just in such shock that he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. And I think Don Lemon, he he came to a settlement. The it? The nig did it. <laughs> uh, speaking of him. Are we trying to say that he's guilty of such a thing? He is guilty. guilty of well, first of all, he was like, I'm not giving you the time of day. And then he got good and sauced. And that's when he did all that cray cray stuff. Oh, well, and he harassed that man. I, you know, no Holly, Hollywood, Hollywood exists in its own little sphere of debauchery because they can get away with this kind of stuff. But, Easily, every, every, but hashtag me too, baby. Yeah. Let's um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Project Veritas dropping a nuclear bomb on the vaccine narrative. Oh, we yeah. have a link for this one. Yes, sir. We're going to share this one with the audience. We're only going to share about 60 seconds of it because it's a pretty popular video. Unfortunately, because it's Project Veritas and they're telling the truth, they uh, immediately took it off of every platform except Rumble. You can still find this on Rumble, but we're going to play about a minute of it for you now to get kind of the meat and potatoes of this thing. From the beginning, correct? Yes. Yes. I think because the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of, is full of shit. Tell, Tell us about, about who this, who this person, person is. is. Dr. Gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at Phoenix Indian Medical Center. And she's a federal employee? Correct. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine um, on Tuesday. has been short of breath. He's got myocarditis. Yes. What patient was she referring to? She was uh, referring to that patient, that 30-something-year-old patient that had congestive heart failure. And in that particular patient's case, it was not reported. No. No. <gasps> no, I mean, they are not doing the studies. The people that have it, you know, and the people that have been uh, uh, vaccinated. Mm -mm -mm. Well, that's pretty damning. So why would they report it? I mean, mm -hmm. come on. You know, it's totally made up. That's yeah. Apparently, we have an echo with the uh, the recordings. Uh, thanks for letting us know, Texas Meg. Uh, we'll try to work on that. But, yeah, well, I mean, look, look, folks. There's a reason that they were so quick to sweep this off the internet. And it's not because it's lies. 
It's because there's an element of truth to it that's embarrassing to the people pushing the narrative about vaccines. And here's the thing. Like, I actually believe that the vaccines do actually work as a therapeutic. These are not immunizations, though, in the traditional sense. And that's not what they're selling people, right? Like the idea that if you take this vaccine that you're forever going to be safe from from COVID-19 or any variant is nonsense. And that's not true. Uh, Look at Israel right now. They have something like an 80% vaccination rate and they have the like most outbreak cases. It's just exploding over there. All it's going to show you is, is that it's basically working as like a kind of treatment that kind of works, but it's also producing viral shedding. It's producing more people, more variants. I mean, it's this stuff is not what they sold. And yet they're trying to treat it like it's a cure-all. And so having somebody like Project Veritas brave enough, like people, uh, I think this one's name is Jody O'Malley, who's a federal employee with the Health and Human Services, actually go out on a limb, put her face out into the world and say like, there's people out there who are getting myocarditis probably from the vaccine. They're not reporting it properly. I mean, this is damning stuff and it's probably happening all over the place. Mm. So you could go back to uh, ABC reporter three or four or five years ago who was sitting on in her chair. She's like, we had all this information on Clinton. We had yep. all this information mm-hmm. on uh, Jeffrey you know, Epstein. Mm-hmm. We had all this information. We had this, 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 and this. It's the same thing all over again. Yep. She was shut down with important information, damning information about somebody who was tied to a, a known pedophile. So here we go again. We've got information that is about this vaccine. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, vaccine. And yet no one in the media, no one on social media, no one who has any quote unquote real journalistic uh, credibility wants to actually look into this. So it's the media controlling the narrative. It's not the media wanting to actually do what journalists are supposed to do, right. which is to look into what is what is going on, try to bring up as many facts to give it to the public. This reminds me of a slight argument um, on Facebook this week. Uh, I haven't been getting into a lot of arguments lately. It's actually been very nice um, because I have an outlet now. I don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to middle age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So my friend, uh, one of my friends was real big the last couple of years on exposing the vaccine, talking about things like what Project Veritas is talking about. And um, uh, and she just questioned everything. And she she just because she's a she worked in a gym and it shut down. She just did a deep dive into the Wu flu. And uh, I, I've worked on her wall on Facebook and I said something like, uh, how does it feel to have been right and been told to sh- shut up? Because there were friends that she had to unfriend because they were they would go in her DMs and say, do you really believe all this? Why are you spreading conspiracies? And these were conservatives and Republicans and Christians and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was hilarious because she was she she turned out to be right. I mean, even I was like, bro, I don't know. I don't know what's right. You know, like I have my instincts, but she happened to be right. And now we got Project Veritas exposing all of it. And apparently there's more to come. Apparently they dropped another bomb at 8 p.m., but uh, we were so busy sound checking and stuff, we haven't even checked what's going yeah. on. But you know what's we funny is yeah, we were we, on we take, were take one. You <laughs> know take what? One, which didn't work out. You know what's funny ah. is that whenever you have a question or you kind of like go mm, about the, the vaccine or coronavirus or whatever, someone's always like, "You, I, I know three people that died." I'm like, "Okay, my auntie." Uh, she died of cancer, and then I had cancer that almost killed me. When there are cancer jokes, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> now, I wasn't even joking about people died. <laughs> I was just like, hey, you've been right with the information you've been putting out there. Who's doing the shaming? Mm-hmm. Period. Who's doing the shaming? Are conservatives out there saying, 
uh, you, you know, shame on you for da da da. No, it's it's only the left. It's mm -hmm. only the side that actually believes the narrative and wants to continue to push that same narrative. It's the same thing with climate change or whatever they want to call it. You know, if you don't accept the narrative that's being pushed, you're a denier. Oh my God, you should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. See, I think they're all full of ish. Do you do? Yeah, of course. I, I, when they when they, when people say this stuff, I don't care if they're left, right, or center. Mm -hmm. When they use these kinds of lame shaming tactics in order to deflect guilt for their own actions, I know that they're full of it, and I don't give them any grace on it either. Z and I actually just had an argument about this the other day. She's like, you might want to reassess your motives. You know what? We didn't argue <laughs> when we were dating. We didn't argue for a long time. And I was like, Scotty, when are we going to argue? She was kind of missing it, folks. <laughs> no, it was Realistically, like, she wasn't concerned. She was over there just like, I haven't had an argument in a while. I, no, like, I'm just, I was just like, am I? <laughs> I are like we your jeans, Scott. <laughs> I was nice like, try. are we faking it? No, I really did not like his jeans when we first started dating. And I convinced him to buy some other jeans, which Joelle, he has do on. do not listen to Zynga, please. And <laughs> the booty looks me. great in those jeans he you wears now. You didn't convince me to buy them. You just bought them for me and I had to wear my new jeans. <laughs> you didn't have to. Are you talking to my wife? Is that what's going on? Listen, you you males be buying jeans and y'all be like, I look great. And I'm be like, what the? I like my Levi's. She's like, no, we're no, getting lucky. No. So okay. I like both of those. I do. I do like both I of those. Like See, the Levi's. issue with mine wasn't so much the brand. They were massive. It was the fit. She uh, didn't want me wearing anything that didn't accentuate the boot. Oh, I see. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The truth just left. <laughs> what the heck? That is not true. I Listen, just, did I, did we I went from two Americas to Jerry Springer just like that. By <laughs> did way. I or did I not tell you? And the lie detector test says, when I went into, your jeans were ugly. <laughs> that changing room. And I came out and I said, these are so tight across my crotch. They are literally pulling. And you're like, like you're like, you're like, so <laughs> get them. <laughs> okay. Listen, oh. Wow, this is on the, this is live. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Now, I don't remember that. And it's not my fault. I had chemo and it messed up my brain. Now, the problem is that your jeans were big. I could have fit my leg in them as well. You could still fit your leg in them. No, I cannot. I'm just, Brown listen. Just carry is concealed. He can carry it. You can't conceal it. anything in yeah. these jeans, and that's why she likes <laughs> it. That is, oh my gosh, stop telling people lies. Uh, oh, I can't even defend myself. I'm being double teamed here. If there's any females in the comments, can you just comment and help me out? Listen, no one's, no one's arguing that these are superior jeans. I'm just saying, I think your But motives, you're telling me. Your motives for buying them were not purely They were not sexual. It was not sexual. It was purely, <laughs> can we get in style and get out of 2005? That was it. All right. I don't know. I hear Marvin Gaye singing in the background all of a sudden. Give us a headset. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get it on. Oh, my gosh. Well. Uh, Ladies, help me, please. Nobody expected this show tonight. I know. Yeah, what in the world? We are so off of our Everybody topics. expected this show. <laughs> this is the show that they deserve. Oh, anyway, gosh. seriously, I want to I ask a question now. Speaking of all this vaccine stuff and all this guilt and shaming, and all that, what happened to the flu? Seriously, what happened to it? It I, flew I, away. I, I, COVID, I said this March, and no, April, May of last year, COVID is the untreated flu. Yeah. That's what, the doctors are not treating anybody. Well, not only that, but I mean, like, I think we actually have a link if you can pull it up I we're think, talking about. I think, um, the, I think COVID is the spicy flu. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they basically just decided to lump it in, in my opinion. And so everybody's now trying to run cover for that. So you have all these articles coming out saying things like, oh, 
Oh, remember they came out with some kind of cockamamie theory about like planes from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere and all this other crap that made no sense scientifically. And I immediately just said, I'm like, these tryhards are doing their best to spin this so hard. The reality is, is that and we've got a we've got an article here for you. Can the audience see this, Z? Yes, sir. Okay, so the basically this Forbes article basically asks the question, what happened to the flu? And so they say, you know, they, they present the data factually. That in the normal year, you have about 20 to 40 million Americans who get the flu. And flu is, you know, one of these protein viruses that changes all the time. So we have flu vaccines, but they don't work particularly well. The flu shot works about 20 to 40% efficacy, last I checked, because eventually they're, they're trying to figure out what they think is going to happen and they may or may not get right. So it's just one of those things that a lot of people just don't take because there's not much point in taking it. Never mind. Now, Me neither. I've never been. Now, what's interesting about this is if we scroll down, is that this person basically drops the ball here. Uh, keep going. Keep going past all the little graphies there. Hold on. This figure should be interpreted with caution, however, because the 2020 to 2021 flu season was not like the others for one very obvious reason, COVID-19. Since ILI is based on symptoms and not testing, it's quite likely, likely that there are some COVID-19 cases mixed in. The question about that sentence is, yes, it is obviously the case that there are some mixed in. The question is to what extent and how many. Right. Right. And so my guess would be, all of them, all of them. If you look at the if you look at the data on how many people that have actually been diagnosed with the flu, it's like virtually zero on where's, every chart. There's pneumonia, you know. Yeah. You know, any kind of respiratory illness that someone had last year can play. Yeah, and, and so this is the problem. They're basically just lumping everything in together, and you idiots are swallowing it. Really, the flu and the pneumonia and the cold just disappeared. Even the doctor will tell you at most practices that if you if you just ask them in a friendly way, like, hey, I mean. You guys see any flu cases anymore like that? They're like, oh, I mean, everything's COVID until proven otherwise. Verbatim what my doctor told me. All right. And I guarantee you that's probably the same all over the Western world. You know what? I had to get several tests um, during chemo because I would have to have a surgery or some kind of procedure and they would want me to do a test and they nose raped me and it was so painful and I hated it. Actually, secret, uh, look, the men are um, gentler. <laughs> than the women uh but anyway <laughs> i had like there a, might be a reason behind those guys being gentle well he anyway. was so sweet and i said it's not gonna hurt it's is gonna it? be all right baby. It's he was right. like he he did it and then he brought it back out and then he goes you know a lot of people say they feel like they need a cigarette after <laughs> and it was so funny i was like actually you're right <laughs> i got violated anyhow um For a cigar right yeah just give me something to smoke <laughs> um anyhow uh, if you go and get a test and you don't say, hey, I think I have COVID, like I, I had a fever and a runny nose. I had some of the symptoms, but I I always get a sinus infection like a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And, so uh, do I, actually. Yeah. yeah. Respiratory infections twice a year, not in the last Like mm -hmm. clockwork. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Spring if you fall. don't, if you don't say, yes, when the seasons change, if you don't say you have, like, I think I got it, I got something. If you just go and say, I'm getting a test. They'll test you, and every time I was negative, like they could have said I was positive for Corona and gotten a kickback, but they didn't. Yeah. And you notice that too with your with your brother. I, I evaded doctors and dentists entirely during the entire pandemic, from the moment that they announced that it was a pandemic until I was forced to actually take a physical in order to transition jobs. Mm -hmm. I was not going to go anywhere near a doctor because I didn't trust the bastards. I knew all this was crap was going to happen. I knew exactly what was going to happen, how this was going to get politicized and how these people were going to exercise authority over others because of all the Trump stuff. And I freaking called every single one of these things. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. It made me scared. I'll so do it. 
that's why I'm not going to go to the doctor. But I was forced. And when I went in there, I was pleasantly surprised. They were honest and candid with me and they respected the fact that I was unvaccinated. I went in there with no mask. They said, hey, it's a medical office. You have to wear a mask. I was like, whatever. It's your office. I put it on. Went in Rome. Yeah. And then I went into the writing room. Everyone was cordial with me. A lady came in and asked me the questionnaire. She she asked me the critical question. Are you vaccinated? And I said, no. She's like, do you intend to be? I'm like, no. She's like, okay. And I was, I was like, is that it? You're not going to pull a gun on me or something? Cool. All right. Nice. Thanks. Doctor came in later, super friendly. I asked him all these questions. I said, what happened to the flu? Why aren't we doing this? What do you think of the mask mandates? And he laughed about all of it. He thought it was all, he thought it was all BS. Hmm. Don't announce his name because I want to talk to him. Yeah, oh, I, I, can't, say, I, can't, yeah. I can't say this guy's name because his practice will end like yeah, that. Exactly. But I want his number. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I was. Oh, that way there... I can talk to a real doctor if I have a problem. Right. You know, somebody who actually is going to give honest medical feedback to their patients. My goodness. Somebody who may actually want to treat the symptoms, that kind of thing. That, that's the kind of doctor I want. Oh, when I went through chemo uh, near the end, I like, I when I got a little bit sick and a little bit snotty in there, um, they were like, uh, Miss Johnson, have you been wearing your mask? And I went, no. <laughs> I think I was around you some of the time. Probably. <laughs> and then uh, one of the, my, my oncologist was like, uh, Zinka, have you been wearing your mask? He's Asian. And I said, no. He was like, Zinga. And suddenly I he said, became your African dad. I said, Dr. Lou, don't look at me like that. He's like, I am looking at you like that because you are, you could die. I was like, I just went like this. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you didn't die and I you recovered not die, fully from and cancer. And I recovered and everything's and you, you fine. You did tell him that you also drive in a car in heavy traffic and things of that nature. And he didn't say you could die, right? I told him I was making out with a guy that talks to a lot of people. <laughs> she better be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, did you not? I, okay. Making out with a guy. <laughs> and he talks to people in their face and breathes their air. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to die. If you remember that, you would have died already. I would have died cancer. happy. You beat can- stage two cancer during a pandemic, and you took like no cautionary measures. I did not. You know what? <laughs> I actually, the only time I was okay with wearing a mask is when I went to go get treatments or when I had to go get checkups because the people in there, I was like, if they catch any bug, they're going to die. Right. Some of those, they, they were skinnier than me. They There's just some had old Holocaust there was, victim looking folks oh, in there. Oh gosh, it was so bad. And I and I, I was thankful. I was like, oh God, thank you. Some of these people were so old and, and they didn't Real. have any muscles. It was yeah. just skin and bone and it made me so sad. I was like, Well, I'll wear a mask. <laughs> I'll do it for the old. So my spittle won't get up. It's it's like less likely my spittle will get on. <laughs> <laughs> or Scott spittle. <laughs> so I do have, tend to spray. Have you been approached by anybody yet? In a, in, a, in a store or anywhere where they're like, you're not wearing a mask. Cause I, nobody, yes. Yes. Really? You, you know, know who it is? It's, nobody's approached me about it. Not one person. Not that's that once privilege. in the last two years? No. I, anytime I go into a place I'm not wearing a mask, nobody said a thing. Unicorn. That's that privilege. Unicorn. That's that white man. But I think privilege. I walk around looking angry. Oh, you've anyway. seen him approach me. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Older white man. Older white man. <laughs> because, like, we'll go I into a. Word shirts. <laughs> he looks like he has money. I won't bother. We have, he's like, you look like a good tipper. Come right in, sir. Please have a seat. <laughs> it, it hasn't, it hasn't been that bad to answer your question. But this yeah. next round of mandates hasn't. But the funny thing was, is people were actually nicer when people were more panicked. Like in the initial phase when all the mandates and the vaccine, well, I wouldn't even say the mandates, just, they were just saying you wear a mask and socially distance. People were panicking and stuff, but they didn't really bother Z and I. We were able to kind of get away with it 
even though everyone else was freaking them out. They'd look sure. at us. We'd get dirty looks and stuff, but most people wouldn't bother us. I wasn't even paying attention. It wasn't until about a year in that people started getting aggressive mm -hmm. with me. And it was after that second round of mandates when they kind of let the mandates go and then right. they brought them back. That's when people started getting in my face. Right. And you know who it always is? It's either middle-aged white women, little lefty white women, or old Latinas. Really? They're the most aggressive by far. So Only? Of, basically a bunch of Karens. Yeah. A bunch of Karens. Or and, Karina. And, and some Karinas. Karina. Yeah. Karina. And I think, and here's my thing. I think it's it because, I think it's because they come from a third world where they're used to bending the knee and always being doing and swallowing mandates from above and sure. tyranny and doing what they're told the that they just really hate the idea of seeing you and be like, oh, he no wear a mask. What a dick. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to tell my, him to wear a mask. What do you call a flip flop again? <laughs> Junk class. I'm going to, I hit you with my chunkless. I literally got hit by an old Latina lady at a Chipotle with chunkless. Really? I literally did For not. masks? That would be a complete lie. I can't say that. I was going to say, what? But that would be hilarious. It's always like. It's never going to happen. In it's always young, like 20-something-year-old white women that tell Latina me don't to leave. Chipotle. Well, because those are the only women who feel arrogant enough to approach young black women. Because they're woke, so they have that woke shielding. So they're like, your blackness oh, doesn't matter. I'm liberal. Oh. Yeah, if you go, I'm liberal, I can say anything I want to you. And I'm I, teaching you right now. They go, oh, I like girls. I can talk to her. Ma'am? She's like, do you have a mask? We went into, we tried to go into a restaurant that we always One go of into. Our places and they've never bought We us. always go in there without a mask. Guess who stops us? The young white chick. And she's like, she's like, do you have a mask? She said, she was nice about it, but still it annoyed me. She said, do you have a mask? No. And I said, no. She said, do you want one? I have one here. I said, no. <laughs> she and was we like, just left. I'm going to catch it from here to the table. But here's right? the thing. We were within we were... 10 feet of the bar that we were going to sit at. Right? Mm -hmm. And she stopped us. She knew we weren't getting the table. And made us come back, spending more time vaporizing the air. and just. You know, I spent more time saying no. Instead of just letting us sit at the bar where we would have been able to take the masks off anyway because of their arbitrary, stupid, Except nonsensical rules. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know where that came from. Are you okay? Are you all right? Honestly, this is how we should just start treating people like this. We should just walk up to them and sneeze in their face. I'm serious. They would leave you alone. We were going to get hit. I, nobody's going to hit me. Yeah. Nobody's going to hit y'all. Nobody's going to hit me. Some like Hispanic lady would hit me. <laughs> It's all right. I'll get it for you. I'll get it with my chunkless. <laughs> don't no, don't do fiance. it. Don't do it. In the comments section, please refer to Scott for chunkless. Chunkless. Everybody knows about my chunkless. Senor, senor chunkless. Anyhow, we're, we're moving so slow, babe. That's all right. We can move along. I'm actually fun. I think we should skip to his topic. I think we can. This is my topic. I think we have enough time based on the clock here to hit one more and then we'll get okay. to Whew. So um, we're going to get a little biblical here, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, about Paul's letter to Titus, or the book of Titus in the Bible. And I think this is going to be relevant for a lot of people, even people who aren't big scripture buffs or even big Christians. And uh, I'll explain why after we watch about a minute of this video. Now, this video comes from a channel that I've uh, mentioned in one of our segments in uh, Scott's Likes and Dislikes um, in the Get to Know Us segment. And this is from uh, Bible Project. This is a pair of gentlemen who uh, make some pretty amazing videos, which analyze and dissect scripture. Go ahead, babe. So I'm going to try to mute us during the video. Go ahead. To see if that works. Mm -hmm. Okay. Paul's letter to Titus. Titus was a Greek follower of Jesus who was for years a trusted co-worker and traveling companion of Paul's. 
He had helped Paul in a number of crisis situations in the past, and in this letter we discover that Paul had assigned him the task of going to Crete, a large island off the coast of Greece, to restore order to a network of house churches. Now, Cretan culture was notorious in the ancient world. One of the Greek words for being a liar was kretidzo, to be a Cretan. These people were infamous for treachery and greed. Most of the men on the island had served as mercenary soldiers to the highest bidder, and the island cities were known as being unsafe, plagued by violence and sexual corruption. However, the island of Crete had many strategic harbors, and they serviced cities all over the ancient Mediterranean Sea. And so from Paul's point of view, Crete was the perfect place to start a network of churches. Now, we don't know the details, but somehow these churches came under the influence of corrupt Cretan leaders. They said they were Christians, but they were ruining the churches. And so Paul assigned Titus with the task of going there to set things straight. And this letter. So this is interesting to me, and uh, that's just a small blip of a, what is about an eight minute video. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of. I get a lot of naysayers from folks who happen to be Christian about our political stance and our political involvement. And as Christians, they feel like sort of a more of a Romans where it's just like, you know, do as the Romans do. They we're supposed to obey the authority placed over us and that sort of thing. And when I look at the situation in America, I think of Titus. That's always the first thing that pops into my mind mm -hmm. is that as a Christian, you know, he thought of Crete, which, you know, was known for its Cretans, which is where we get the word, which I didn't know, by the way. I actually had never yeah. looked at the etymology of that word. Yeah. I've know, been to Crete. Yeah, right? Yeah. So it's of course like, you have. You know. <laughs> get that privilege. Get, my get that privilege. <laughs> but, you know, it, it made me realize that even back in the ancient world, a lot of the same cultural problems that we're facing now, they were facing back then. And his solution was to go in there, tear up the churches that existed, replace the leaders, put new leaders in place that you could trust, that exemplified the Christian lifestyle. And he was going to treat this place like a staging area for missionary missions. He was thinking of it almost like a military leader. And it just makes me think of today how so many Christians have gotten squishy and mm. soft mm. and they've allowed um, sort of this tyranny to take place. And I think I'm like, I don't think Paul would agree with you. I think the way he mission, he, he sent Titus out to Crete would be the way that we're supposed to do things. Mm. And so while I'm not trying to necessarily justify my own existence in the way that I approach the culture and the, this cultural war, I should say, in politics, I think that Titus makes a pretty good case all by itself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this stuff? I don't know if you're a big Bible buff. No, uh, see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's been talking about churches for a while. For a while. Um, churches, in my opinion today, are basically uh, businesses with a 501c3. Um, I, I don't see a lot of leadership in the church structure that we have these days. Um, you can go to any denomination. It doesn't mean even Southern Baptists, they're all, they have all been corrupted. Mm. I, I talk about the basics of what I see in a church these days. If they're not even looking at the old Testament, if they're just preaching from the new Testament only, if they're only going off one book, that's a church you should just walk away from completely. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But how many people have actually got up from the church that they're attending and say something to the congregation that's there saying, is this what we came here for? And nobody's got the, you know, they don't have the, 
the courage to stand up and say something about it. True. I think some people vote with their feet. You see congregants move to new churches and new denominations, that sort of thing. You hope. Yeah, yeah you hope. But I've, I've been saying it for a while. Um, uh, it's, it's tough to find a church these days where the pastor will actually lead directly from the pulpit. He'll preach from both books. He'll give you the message that you need to hear. He'll speak the truth um, unafraid unabashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's very few pastors I see this day and age will do it. Like Pastor Wooten, I'll always mention him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's somebody I don't, I don't think he has any fear of preaching, you know, directly from, you know, he, he, yeah, he does not care. Yeah, he, he has zero fear in my mind. Yeah. There's, there's a few and uh, there's a few actually locally that I can give you afterwards if you'd like to look them up. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just, for me, the mission oriented aspect of a Christian's life, right. Which is kind of our primary function does not necessarily get superseded or, or, or I should say washed away by the fact that we also need to fight for the culture. You know, the part of the, in part of those letters to Titus from Paul, he basically uh, advocates that he replaced the culture there slowly, but surely that mm-hmm. he doesn't start a culture war, but what he does is he teaches him to preach a message of blending in well, where they become good citizens who are engaged, engaged in commerce, engaged in day-to-day life, engaged with their neighbors, generous, um, people who lived up to the standards of Christianity in terms of their moral life and um, tried to set a new example for folks to look up to. He also points out the corruption in the churches. They were suffering the same problem. They were essentially treating them like businesses. And he said, I need to replace those people. They're making Christianity have a bad name. So it was, it's, it's an age, it's, it's an age old problem that kind of just seems to come and go. And it's always going to be a problem, but the fact that it existed in the ancient world in Crete just goes to show you that it's something that you always have to fight. And I think that Christians make a mistake when they say that we're supposed to cloister ourselves away instead of engaging in the culture war or politics. And I think that they should look more towards Titus's example. That's my Mm -hmm. personal feeling anyway. But everything that we do, even, even today, the reason why people aren't standing up to the government or anything is because everybody's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. They get, uh, you know, I've built a lot of wealth. I have, you know, rental homes. I've got a beach house. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing I really want to do is give all of that up. I mean, people are just thinking about their pocketbooks more than they are their morality or the stance they need to take in right. these positions. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time people are just putting their head in the sand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Ben? Um, I think, first of all, I don't like the idea that pastors just need to preach to the Bible and they don't need to preach against the culture and what's wrong in the culture. Right. That really bothers me because I'm like, then what are we, what are we, what are we preaching about? Yeah. Like we're, we're combating darkness in the culture. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what the Bible says is what everyone that we, that we praise in the Bible did is that they were always coming in, up, coming up against Pharaoh, Jezebel, Herod, Darius, Xerxes, whoever, they were always coming up against some evil, sinful, lustful uh, uh, generation or culture. So we do have to talk about those things in church. I had a guy, and I think he's since changed his mind, but I had a guy, um, because I said it was was when New York passed that that abortion bill, that really horrendous one uh, that I can't remember right now. The one they all cheered about. Born Alive. Yeah, the one they cheered about, the Born Alive. And and it's like, I said to him after church one Sunday, I said, um, well, I'm, I'm really surprised that more pastors didn't come out of the woodworks all over the country. These famous ones, like you got, you know, people with, you got pastors with 150 people, like they can get on Facebook and, and type away, but no one's really going to watch it. But where was T.D. Jakes? Where was, where was Hillsong? Where, where was Joel Osteen? Yeah. Where, where are all these guys? And there's, there's some that came out like, I cannot believe that this was passed. But 
if the church gathers together in one on one accord and says we will not stand for this things can happen at least we're illuminating the problem it would have hundreds and, of thousands of col- right. congregants fighting against a particular political movement. right and he said oh we don't need to talk about politics in church and i said really i, I would consider that murder and his wife looked at me like she was so pissed. And I was like, why is this an issue? Why are we arguing about this? Why are we saying that we can't talk about this when we're supposed to be salt and light in the culture? Like, I don't understand why this is a problem. And and I, that's, that's one of the things I think. Um, another thing is I think that the church has been ripped of its balls. You got, you got the worship leaders. Me and you talk about this all the time. We got worship leaders and pastors who are trying to look like hipsters all the time and wear the jeans I put Scotty in. And they're more concerned about that than they are about actually praising Comment God and section. <laughs> praising God and, and worshiping God and changing the culture. And like our songs are so wordy now; they have no depth to them. Like they're good, okay. They're, some of them are fine, but when you sing hymns, like uh, we went to church this past Sunday and they story, sang yeah. hymns, and we were just talking about that mm-hmm. uh, a few days before, mm-hmm. where these hymns came out came out of these people struggling with God. It yeah. came out of them struggling with the culture. Yeah. Amazing, grace. Amazing grace. This yeah. guy was fighting slavery. Yeah. And he he found God in the middle of his life in chaos, and he writes this wonderful song, and that gives you goosebumps every single time. And now they're like, "Yeah, I want to sound like Adele." I was listening. Oh, I was flipping through the freaking radio one time, and I was like, "Oh, is this is this a, a new Adele song?" And then it was like something like, "I'm beautifully broken." I was just like, "What is this? Why is this chick trying to sound like Adele?" I can't remember her name, but she's like super famous, and she was on in headlines in Christian news because she didn't make a hard stance on something that the Bible says is clearly a sin. Right. So w- w- again, I, I look at this, are pastors trying to keep their bottom line? Are they trying to, are they trying to look at the business line more than anything else? Or are they actually trying to get a message out? Are they trying to get the word out? And every time I go to a church and I'll ask, I'm like, let me see your budget. I want to, I want to see your budget. I want to see what's going on in your budget. Oh, this, because, this is mine, but this is blacked out. This is my salary. If, exactly. If all of your money is going to, you know, the, the pastor himself and the, the choir director and the staff, and, and you're not spending money in the community, then you're not doing what the church was actually truly established for. If you look at what happened in the 1920s, how government decided to take itself and put itself in the church role. The church was the center of community mm-hmm. until the Great Depression. The government came in and said, we'll take care of you. Don't worry about mm-hmm. the church. And it's basically usurp the church's role in the community. Is that not what's happening now? Yeah. Where it's like, don't you worry. I know you're scared, but I will pay you. That is how they, like in uh, some other countries, they were just like, I'm going to chop your head off if you don't worship me. And they were like, well, good Lord, here, take take everything. Just give me a ration of rice. And then other countries like were seduced into it, like, like Hitler and he killed off a bunch of people in the night of long knives or whatever that night is called. But for us, it's like, Paul, I know you're concerned about your wife and I know you're getting old, but I will protect you. All you must do is bow. Here's a check every month. Like that's how they, that's how they, that's how they get us. That's how they get us on the balls, man. offering $500 sign on bonuses and $18 an hour service for people to work flipping freaking burgers. It's because nobody wants to work. They get that free government daddy check. Is that our 300 moment when I go see that's going to be a problem? (laughs) Exactly. I feel like I've had that moment like 15,000 times and I'm just never. He almost kicked me a couple of times. I'm like, bro, I'm not the government, bro. (laughs) 
That's not me. Stop telling people I abuse you. I'm kidding. Get flagged. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In the comments section. Well, we've got a <laughs> we've got a we've got a quick reaction video that Z really wants me to watch. So I'm I'm terrified to I'm see. I'm trying this. to remember what it is. I don't what? think I pulled it up. Oh, okay. Wait, let me see. What is it? Wait, no. <laughs> I can't look at it. Wait, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Right, I figure well, you out what still got to do I'll your you transition. Topic, but, right? <laughs> well, one thing, one thing I do want to go into a little bit more with this religious thing is that I've had people tell me about, um, and people I trust, how a lot of pastors kind of get elected almost by the old elders of the congregation. And what they'll tell them when they come into these established churches is, is we're not really interested in you know, this or that or the other. We don't want you talking about politics. We just want you to basically do what you've all, what the old pastor always did. Right. Just preach some basic moral values, make it snappy, get us to the luncheon, make a couple of announcements and move on. I don't know. I kind of almost prefer that versus what they are teaching nowadays. You know? Well, wokeism yeah. definitely infiltrated a lot of churches, but the, the inherent evil, I think, is this idea of ignoring the mandates ignoring the examples set by the apostles or by Paul and the others and trying to pretend that you can pick and choose scriptures to kind of justify your own cowardice right. and your own selfishness, because that's what it is. When you see America falling apart around you and like transgender folks walking around unopposed ideologically from the culture, and then you have the church just sitting there being like, well, you know, we're supposed to love everyone. You don't love them. Right. You fear them, and you fear them so much that you're willing to put your other believers in line to obey them. It's it's uh, what I've what I've spoken about before when I say it's one thing that you want to help somebody save their soul. Sure. You want to you want to give somebody that message. You want them to understand that I'm here to help you lead you to Christ. Mm -hmm. So you can be born again. So you can lead that life. Yeah. Right. The problem is there are some people who get wrapped up into it. And they almost leave the right path mm -hmm. because they're trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then they end up leaving the path because they try to save someone. Not everybody can be saved. Mm -hmm. Is that leading us where? Also, Unitarians yeah, are no, apostates. Right. Unitarians are apostates. <laughs> Unitarians are apostates. Anyway, I just want to point that out. So <laughs> we've got a nice little reaction video. Uh, well, we had one. Um, I would have to, I just, I think we should save it. Okay. I think we should save it. All right. Really? Clearly, clearly it's too shocking. We'll save it and then audience. I'll send you the link and you can comment what you think about it. Okay. Or we'll bring you in on your phone. Oh man, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> All right. How about, how about my segment with the, uh, this one? We ought to have that. Let's see. It's almost mm -hmm. like they're whispering in front of me. Just, mm -hmm. <laughs> we are talking about you behind your back. Is that it? No. Reload, darn you. All okay. Right. Pause. Remember, remember to mute that. All right, so let's go ahead and get that transition going on. We are going to introduce one of our classic segments. Use the force. Mm. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see Paul's reaction, when that first guitar riff came in, it just about knocked him out of like, his chair. I was like, what? What the devil is going on here? Eddie Van Halen is still alive. <laughs> For today's use of force, we're going to be analyzing a very particularly powerful individual from the Aussie protests in the third world country of Australia. Now, normally I do not advocate fighting the police, but I'll tell you one thing. 
loudly and clearly. The police. I have zero pity for Pretoria. This dude does it well, though. And the people in <laughs> and the people in Australia who are being held down by the iron fist of their government, these people in yellow vests and black uniforms, they are, make no mistake, from a person who used to train law enforcement and loves law enforcement, these are Pretorians. Mm -hmm. These people serve the state. They're here to intimidate and lock people into their homes against their own government, against their own constitution. This is monstrous. And so when I see these people charging them and running them over, I am pleased to see it. And you can quote me on that. Now, specifically, I want to analyze the actual use of force by this single protester. And we're going to play you a quick video now. Hopefully they can see it. He's great. Boom. Dang. Ooh, that was a quick change of pace. I'm going to say this guy was a Mossad. Gosh, he had to be something. And there's the third one. This is like watching a, like a medieval movie. So we'll play this again and we'll just let it kind of loop for a second. But what you're seeing here is a person who is illustrating three basic principles of force. He's illustrating aggression, adrenaline, and momentum. Now, you may think all these things are intertwined. They're not necessarily. When I look at this individual, I see a person who is obviously pumped up and ready to fight. And what I also see is the use of adrenaline in a violent situation because his ability to make quick changes and to figure out what to do so quickly is only something that somebody who is in kind of a zone, like a fight zone can do. Somebody who's got that high level of adrenaline act activated through their system, their nervous system's fully on fire. He's been trained. And well, the other thing, as I would say, is his momentum. You can see he's a big boy. This is a Chad here. This ain't a little guy. But also based on the, his ability to make quick pivots and to make these sort of tackle-like motions that take down there and that also right here, Oddly enough, he illustrates a Krav Maga principle against blunt weapon defense. He holds out one arm to deflect the baton and then strike simultaneously with the other. Now, the officer doesn't even get a chance to get his shot off, but he had the arm up and ready as he went for the officer with the pepper spray. Notice that as the officer deterred him from getting the pepper spray canister, he didn't try to overcommit. He immediately switched directions, ran the other direction, and slammed another officer as a sort of target of opportunity. So what you're seeing is something really interesting here. This, my guess would be, because it's Australia, is probably a rugby player. Hmm. He's got the build for it. Okay. He's got the speed, the ability, the ability to, to, to shift directions like on a dime and not lose his balance and to keep his momentum, bam, like that. So this is what happens when you take a street brawler, load them up with adrenaline, and you get them into a fighting mode, and then you just give them a target-rich opportunity. So this is, this is something that is really impressive to watch, not just for the violence of it, but also because it can take a person who isn't necessarily a martial artist or a soldier or something like that. If you just give them weight, momentum, and a bit of athleticism, they can do it terrible amount of damage very quickly we're talking one man yeah in a crowd of people yeah and he targeted he targeted police in each one of these hits he targeted them systematically and the thing about it too is that he didn't overcommit to committing violence as you can tell he kind of it's almost like he's acting to neutralize the first so one do. bam he knocks the person there in the jaw as they attempt to hit him with the baton. He goes for another one with the, with the mace. That didn't work out so well. He turns around, bam, target of opportunity. This one's on the ground. He doesn't waste time trying to stomp on them. He goes for another one, grabs him by the throat, puts his leg and trips, 
takedown, and then he moves forward with his hands up to fight again. This is a person trying to clear a path for the yeah. other protesters, yeah. and he's doing so with incredible levels of effectiveness. This person is an absolute unit. And this is what you have when you take a person who is angry enough, willing enough, and has a certain degree of athleticism and momentum, and they can just clear, clear opposition. So the thing I would take away from this in terms of use of force, because again, we always talk about morality and legality. In this case, this to me is moral action because these are the people that are being tyrannized. And these officers are enact, are basically trying to keep these people suppressed in their homes, making them use facial recognition software that they have to report to the police every so many minutes in order to verify they are where they are. And a phone app. That's the, crazy. And these people are, you know, these cops are willing to stomp grandmothers, put people in comas, double pepper spray people over 74 years old. I mean, these, these are monsters. Mm -hmm. Australia, again, gun ban. Yeah. What, a 96. This is, this is at least a 94? decade. Mm -hmm. was, yeah. I can't remember how long Australia mm -hmm. though, has a gun ban. Basically all the citizens in the, in the country turned in their guns voluntarily, mm -hmm. turn them in voluntarily. Mm -hmm. I promise you if the United States of America we're disarmed at this moment. Citizenry, we're disarmed. We would be dealing with the exact same thing. There's right. not one doubt in my mind about that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with you completely. And in fact, I think they would do worse because now that they've set the tone, they know they can only raise the bar. Right. They don't have to lower it. Um, so to wrap up this use of force segment, here's the thing. If you find yourself in an environment that is that chaotic and you don't have a lot of fight training, you don't have the use of force options, Australians don't have the ability to defend themselves against the police the way the police do. They don't have weapons. If the government comes to them and tyrannizes them, all they have is momentum and bravery and their fists. And this individual in this particular video exemplified that perfectly, that if you just have a lot of adrenaline and momentum and you can use that to pick targets of opportunity to clear a path for the people behind you. This may be a great tactic for people who are trying to escape from a mob, for instance, people who are trying to escape from an Antifa or a BLM protest that gets rowdy and they're actually trying to target you and your family. This might be a great way for you to knock down a few people to clear a path. I do want to add though, if that person is in a, in the same situation ever again, and you're subduing police and you're in Australia, take their weapons because you don't have any and they do. Ooh, yeah. It's getting ugly enough down there, folks, that it's it's really bad. Yeah. It's a, if they, if they were American, all, all hell would have already broken loose. Like I'm talking about bloodshed in the streets. Yeah. Americans just don't play that. Yeah, and, you know, and just to finish, just to be completionist about this, people ask me about the legality of self-defense. I am showing you a person who is considered a criminal by every Western country right now, and I'm telling you, I take their side. That's how bad this is. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to legality in this situation, it is irrelevant. The law is corrupt. They are the Praetorians and I have no pity for Praetorians. And mm -hmm. I'm glad to see an absolute unit like this guy ripping them apart and letting those people move forward. Also, in most countries, they don't really train their their police officers very well. I mean, if they're anything yeah. like ours, right. I could probably take some police officers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you... Just like drop kick them mm, on Capitol Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> regardless of whether or not we have to prove that through illustration, that will wrap up today's use of force. Thanks for tuning in on that one. So Paul said something. Are we moving on to Paul? We are. So Paul said something interesting earlier. He said, everybody can't be saved. And I was like, ooh. Mm. So, uh, what was it, last year you started talking about secession? I've been talking about it for years. Okay. Well, you started talking about it openly 
on Facebook. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, mm, Paul done got crazy. What's yeah, going we, on? <laughs> we definitely buried the lead on this one, but we're going to approach our main topic that was advertised today. And that's why we have P. Fitty in third chair in the first place is because you bang the drum on secession so hard. It actually makes me nervous about the social media censors. I'm waiting. For, I, really, I'm just waiting for him to take me down. Honestly, and the fact that they haven't yet is remarkable. Well, he gets buried, I'm sure. The, the same friend I was talking about it with coronavirus and the things that she um, would say on, on online, sure. she got buried and she was like, nobody sees my posts anymore. I get I get uh, DMs that say, I, can't, I don't see your stories anymore. Mm. And Paul has, Paul knows a lot of people. Paul's Ooh. very influential. And the fact that his controversial the fact that his controversial posts only get three comments, like, come on, man. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Like it clearly that post is like, yeah, let's just put this one and tuck it away right here. That's why I hashtag secession. That's why you hashtag and that's why you tag a million people. I'll tag as many people as I can. You know? So why secession? I mean, give your reason, your argument. Okay. First of all, it's uh it's the most peaceful way to handle our situation right now. Uh, we live in a country that has two totally separate ideologies, and instead of combat, instead of instead of bloodshed, instead of conflict, there is a simple way to do this. It's the same thing as anybody else who's amicable in this world. We can have a divorce, go our own ways, and let Darwinism kick in. Let's just see which side survives the divorce. Uh, I am 100% sure that it would be the conservative side versus a liberal left side. Um, I believe that it will take just one state, just one state in the union. Um, and if I were to have a choice or if I could say, if I could throw a dart on the board, I would say it would be Mississippi would be the first state to go. Really? It would have to be a state that has, uh, access to the ocean, have to have a port. So Tennessee, you're landlocked. Sorry, Tennessee, you're not going to succeed without somebody who has a port. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it's our most amicable way of dividing our nation, letting the left live their life. If you want to have your crazy lifestyle that you want to have on the left, go have it. Go go do what you want to do. Take your states. Do what you're going to do. But I promise you what's going to happen. There's two result, two end results the way I've viewed it. Uh, end result number one is going to be eventually the left is going to realize that they don't have enough in manufacturing, they don't have enough uh, food producing. They don't have enough product producing. They're probably going to spend too much. We're going to get to that part. Of sorry, about it. Too. Yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry. I <clears throat> know we're going to get to that too. Uh, they're not going to be able to produce the goods that they need. These these are people who just uh, literally they they literally just want to work off or live off of their college degrees and just want money to come in the door, and they're happy that the government's paying them money right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually they're going to need supplies. They're going to need resources. They're going to need something. They could be aggressive because of that. The second outcome, the second part of an aggressive, aggressive outcome would be that the left states become so indebted to China that China would say, you know what, instead of paying us back, we're going to set up a military base here in Rhode Island. Ooh. And at that point, the, the conservative part of the nation would rise up and say, yeah, that, that's not happening. Which raises an interesting question that I wanted to get uh, get you to answer on the show. Sure. How do you, or I should say, what do you tell the naysayers about your theory when they say, well, if you divide us up into two separate unions, two separate Americas, won't that just invite in an invader like China 
because we're weakened. Mm -hmm. How do you address that mm -hmm. complaint? I mean, quite possibly. It, it, I mean, it, anytime a nation is divided, it's going to invite someone who's not welcome to the party anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but we know which side is going to be the weaker side. We know which side is going to have more strength. Mm. And we also know that the strength side wants to live in peace, they, but they don't want to be ruled at the same time. I mean, the, the left side of this nation, the socialist Democrats, whatever they want to call themselves, uh, they want to be ruled. They, they literally want the government to tell them what to do, what to wear, what, what time to go to bed. Is it okay to, 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 um, to use heroin and meth and all these things now? I mean, they, they, don't, they want the government to tell them what to do. The same people that well, want to chop off your kids' genitals. Well, how do you split up the military? How do you propose? The military would decide for itself. I mean, 80% of the military is conservative. They would go to the conservative side. There's no doubt about that. Well, one of the um, things I find interesting is that this kind of parallels a prediction made by Kurt Schlichter. Are you familiar with him? Nope. Uh, he was Ben Shapiro's lawyer. He's also a stand-up comic at one point. He's oh. also a successful lawyer in his own right. But he represented Ben Shapiro in the whole clock boy incident. Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember that. And uh, one in that case. Uh, he's also got his own successful podcasts and he does TV show hosting and that sure. sort of thing. Well, he wrote a series of books that actually is fairly popular. It's sort of like conservative porn, but it's, it's hilarious. And it's kind of funny because so much of it has been true, or at least I think it will become true. Uh, I think it's called people's Republic was the first book, but it's a series of books about sort of like a sort of not really post-apocalyptic, but in America where they've done exactly what you've just said. And it's like a war between two factions and there's sort of the red states in the middle. And then there's the coastal elites and they've been at war for years. Right. And this guy's sort of like an operative from the red states. And he get, does these sort of like covert missions into like California or, you know, Washington or whatever. Right. And it's very escape from LA, you know, it's like a hellscape, yeah. you know, <laughs> and um, you know, everybody's woke and insane. Well, one of the things that he talks about is, is, is how, you know, on the North side, you basically have a bunch of ring kissers and feckless kneelers who reelect people like Trudeau for their third term. Right. On the South, you have a bunch of invaders from the third world who couldn't give a crap about your nation. They just want to parasitically operate off of it and take right. whatever they can get. You and the people who are coming up from Texas right now. Right. Yeah. And then you have people on both coasts who control all the coastlines. So you have a ton of states that are sort of at the mercy of the coastal elites, whether they want to admit it or not. What would you answer? Your answer no, I mean, it's, it's true. No matter what, you're going to have to, if you're going to be a free nation, you need a port. Mm -hmm. You need you need to be able to, to have commerce no matter what. Mm -hmm. And having a port is, again, it's why I said Mississippi, I think, is the first state that would go. Is air travel not sufficient to no. meet some of those needs? No, no. It, you would be, again... If a, if a really corrupt, if a really corrupt government wanted to, they could shut you down in every single capacity, even by the ocean. However, if one state decides to secede, there will be so many dominoes dominoes that fall right after that. You've got my prediction would be if it would be Mississippi first, Tennessee would be the following state because Tennessee would use Mississippi as far as port and trade things of that nature. Okay, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, natural choices to go right after that. Then it's just Oklahoma, Arkansas, Nebraska, anything that was ever read would join into those states. Hmm. It would fall apart that quickly for the for the U.S. Now, I talk about secession openly, especially after the elections, because my my take on the Constitution is 
The Constitution is not just a document that tells you what your rights are. Mm -hmm. The Constitution is a contract between the government and the people, the mm -hmm. citizens, by the way. Agreed. Not just the people, the citizens right. of this country. Be right. Because I think there's a difference between the two. 100%. There are people here, yeah. then there are citizens. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the contract has now been broken by the government because the government allowed fraud in our last election. Hasn't done anything about it. Therefore, to me, the Constitution is a dead document. At this the point. recall, that recall in California was a bit, a little sketchy as well. Do you think so? I mean, I, I thought... I thought Newsom was going to win no matter what. He probably would have, but there has been some things that have come out, like videos and things of some weird ish. Oh, uh, you mean like people mailing in ballots like several times? Like they printed out themselves? My, 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 yeah, my deep concern is is that no matter how noble people's intentions are to try and keep the peace, no matter how much they stomp on our heads and treat us like garbage, I feel like at this point voting is almost a useless gesture for a Republican. Yeah. Now, that's not entirely true. Um, I know that when it comes to smaller elections, local elections, they can be quite meaningful because the democratic apparatus can only control so much. You hope. And I think that if we actually put in an effort at the local level, we may actually be able to make functional changes, at least in our own communities. And that's where it starts. And I think it's because we've abdicated that responsibility for so many decades that we're in the fix that we're in. So I hold ourselves accountable for all of this. However, when it comes to like presidential elections, when it comes to Trudeau, when it comes to like Vladimir Putin, those people are going to be in power until they die because, because the fix is in. Right. And I don't care if you don't believe me or you think I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. You know, it's just the, the evidence to me is overwhelming and it's nonsensical to assume otherwise. Joe Biden is not the president, in my opinion. He wasn't elected. I do not believe so, no. That man did not get the popular vote in excess of Obama. I'm sorry. Nobody hated Trump 80 that much. million votes, baby. One million does votes. Does anybody actually believe that number? Oh, the left does. And TV. They don't <gasps> believe it either, though. I think it's just like COVID. I won. They just say it because <gasps> it serves their agenda, hey, but even they don't believe Do it. Do I get Rocky Road it's now? Like, it's like Ingsoc and Orwell's 1984. They just say things, but they can think with two sides of their head at the same time, knowing it's BS. Um so and I let the kids sit on my lap. Sorry. How do you how do you how do you deal with this in terms of aggression? How do you fortify the red states against the blue states and vice versa? And how do you keep it from coming to blows? Well, again, it's uh, it should be an amicable divorce. It should be. be. In, in the beginning, are you kidding me? The left is like, good, we can get rid of them. Mm -hmm. uh, They're uh, going to be happy about it. Yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that they think this would be the greatest thing for them is to get rid of us you know, backwoods, redneck Republicans who have nothing to do with them, nothing in common mm -hmm. with them. We don't produce anything in society in their minds. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who take care of us all. We're yeah. smelly Walmart people. Sarah, I sent you a text the other day. Sarah Silverman is even saying, let's that do it. part of what we talked about. Yeah. yeah. She's, She's like, let's, like, let's, like, let's do it. We'd be better off without the conservatives. Fact, I'm like, okay, I'm, we'll I'm, see. I'm willing to allow, allow Sarah Silverman to believe it's her idea. <laughs> if that's what will get me out of the door faster... You know, I, you're right, baby. It's not it's not you. It's me. And you, gonna... you know what else? Like Candace Owens and some other uh, uh, like influencers are coming out talking about it. Can we unify? Is there is is it possible for us to come back together? And I'm like, to me, that the secession is in the realm of that conversation. And I'm like, ooh, P. Fitty been saying it. <laughs> but I, I'm going to push back on that for a second. I want you to answer an objection I have here. Yeah, I agree that there's probably a lot of people out there who are on the left or liberals or whatever who would say like you know good riddance the bananas are yeah. going they're going into their hollers There's and we the can be safe people. and just have our nice little utopia yeah. but you know what 
the reaction that I saw to the heartbeat bell in Texas tells me otherwise. I think that their desire for control, their desire for convenience, their their desire for our treasure and largesse and hard work exceeds their distaste for us. They need a prole class. They need producers. They need our food. They need our um, manufacturing. They need control. See, but you realize that. They don't. They live in a totally different world than we do. I think the ones in D.C., some of the Democrats in D.C. would be like, oh, my yeah. God, uh, they, because they may they would know. freak out. But you're everyday. You're, the teachers on they, TikTok, I mean, I'm I don't seeing think millions so. of women across the globe flipping out about how Texas is so evil and wanting to get involved personally. Can you imagine a world in which Texas had complete carte blanche to remove Roe versus Wade and start their own country where abortion was illegal? Yeah. Do you think they would let it slide? Oh, I mean, but I don't think they would have a choice. Yeah. What what choice would they have? At that point, you could see you could see a thousand Texans ride to any border they want to with their shotguns in hand, shoot everybody away and say, we don't care what you think. We're protecting our own now. Kind of sounds like also, paradise. Also, yeah, look at the does, yeah. look at the people that the are the women that were like, I'm mad at Texas, and they I'm sure they were all over the country, and they were like, I'm going on a sex strike. Do you really think those are the women? I've that seen are, those girls. Do you really think <laughs> those are the females that are going to be like, grab they, your AR? They've been on <laughs> they've been on strike for a long time. By the way, <laughs> well, okay. whether they know it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, another question then is... They found is, some drunken will us participants. Obviously, I, I believe personally that if you were to divide the states up, and, and I think that most people who understand the wargaming aspect of this, who would go with who as right. far as blue versus red, if we had to quantify it that way. The state is purple, by the way. Who would we? Who, who would our Purple-ish. allies... If, if we're talking about the red states, right. who, who would our allies be? Because personally... I see most of the globalist factions like Macron and mm. like Britain. In the, in the beginning, that's a good question. In, in the beginning, what allies? But also in the beginning, we wouldn't even want representation in the UN. Stuff the UN. We don't need that representation at that point. I agree. Focus on home. Lead by example. In fact, all of a sudden, guess what, guys? We need a better infrastructure. So what are we going to do? We're going to build. We're going to build oil refineries. We're going to start drilling off our own coast. We're going to build nuclear power plants so we can make sure that power exists for everybody. Finally, exactly. See, But that's my point. The reason why we're not doing it now is because D.C. mandates will tell us that we can't have an oil refinery in the state of North Carolina or we can't have more nuclear plants in the state of North Carolina. We can go down the list of what we can't have, and it's all being dictated by Washington, mm. not by we the people in the state of North Carolina. Mm. So it wouldn't so much matter, tactically speaking, or um diplomatically to have a bunch of allies in the beginning, but you think that by improving the state of our states, we would become competitive enough that they'd start courting us. Lead by example. Hmm. That's all that matters in this world. Hmm. If you create, yeah, I'm a college dropout. So I know that everybody's going to look at me going, okay, great. This guy's stupid. He has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Right. The one thing that I've had in my entire life is work. I have worked tirelessly for years and years and years. I've perfected my craft. I've done what I can to help people. Those are the things that are important. If we take that, if we take our work, our time, our talent, we give that to people who want to work the same way, we will create a better world than anybody else would have ever created. This would be a more perfect union. Well, and to the naysayers who may not know who you are, and I'm not going to necessarily go into your whole list of your bona fides, your accomplishments, but this what this is not this I've is married my wife. That's yeah, my accomplishment. This is not just and some this is not just some white collar guy that we pulled out of an office. This is a gentleman who's been involved in local politics, has a great deal of public influence. Are you white collar? And is 
Yeah. I'm not going to brag about it in this sense, but is is wealthy and successful. And so that you aren't just some dude spouting your opinion on our show. That's His probably, boots are real leather. I kind of like being a dude. I'm a DJ. What are you talking about? He's a about? dude. Yeah. He's a dude's dude. <laughs> your DJ is not your dear day job, although That's it is your passion. Um, okay. So I have a couple more questions. Maybe Z can come up with a two, but I want to kind of war game this a little bit because I think it's important for people to understand the logistics and the realities of this, if this is something that they're going to seriously consider. So if you have, okay, you lead by example, how do you deal with the technological brain drain? How do you deal with the fact that Silicon Valley and all the other yeah. technological areas are now outside of your control? Mm. Yeah, but again, it's where we're going to innovate. We would do the same thing. I mean, they don't have a monopoly on these things. True. Uh, they don't have all of the intelligence in the world in Silicon Valley. Um, there's well, a lot of people who are, who are conservatives who work there. They don't love working there, but they work there because they are just as talented as anybody else. Also, a lot of people don't know um, Silicon Valley has snuffed out a lot of people who've tried to, to create like an alternative Twitter and maybe not just an alternative, but like an, another I guess it's the same as alternative, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like you can have a Twitter and, a, and another kind, like a different kind of Twitter, but Twitter and Facebook and Google will not allow those people to become successful. I mean, Parler is probably the best example. As long as the federal government is involved the way it is right now, of course not, because they mm -hmm. literally have a monopoly on it. However, but it's not, it's not create, impossible for us to create. That's exactly right. If you create another government that allows the free competition to, to take place, there will be a new Twitter. There will be a new Facebook. There will be a new Google. There's no doubt about that. One, one final Just tear, yeah. tear, terabytes of data alone. You would be able to have your own data farm. You can do it. One final question about the uh, secession question from me, and then I'll let Z ask some questions of her own if she has any. Um, the nukes. They exist in uh, certain locations in the Midwest and others. All over. Colorado, yeah. um, Arizona, um, Nebraska, and others. I mean, there you don't think there's going to be a squabble over possession of those? I, I would be willing to make the federal government a deal. And it's a simple deal, really. I'd be willing to take half the $15 trillion of debt off their plate to make sure that we can still maintain our own self-defense. They would be stupid enough to take that deal. And, of course, we would be smart enough to pay off that debt a whole lot quicker than they ever would. The only thing that would ever happen on that side of the fence, they would just get deeper in debt. We would pay off that debt and become self-sufficient a whole lot sooner than they would. Again, we would innovate to build our own oil refineries. We would drill. We would dig. We would do whatever it takes. We would become self-sufficient and self-sustaining. They're the ones who would be blocking our oil pipelines or anything else that they can on their side. I mean, you're talking about someone who wants to spin themselves into an oblivion. I'm talking about a society that actually wants to work and produce. So you don't think that the nukes would become a trigger point that ultimately results in total annihilation between the two factions? Even still, we could probably build our own within a short period of time. Well, assuming that most of the red states or at least purple states are the ones that are in current possession of the nuclear facilities, the ones that house the, you know, the ICBM type yep. rockets. Um, they could be on lockdown pretty quick. So you would you would essentially hold them hostage from the left. I, I would be willing to play. Let's make a deal. Okay. You know, because this is something that I've never seen anybody ask before. Yeah. Because they'll say they'll draw up these maps of like how they would like the union to be split should it come to civil war. And I'm always looking at it and I'm thinking there's an awful lot of nukes in those states, and I don't think the left's going to give them up that easy. There, 
at the end, they, love, again, they at like the, peace, not war, baby. But, but again, at the end of the day, <laughs> we can openly say, listen, you know, the United States of America right now has $15 trillion of debt. Fine. Our side will be willing to take half that debt right now. Just make sure that we still have our maintaining defenses available to us. If you try to usurp that, you know, we'll leave you with a debt. We'll let you take those nukes out of the ground as long as you don't aim them at us, as long as we're all being, you know, nice and friendly and amicable divorce here. But we would have our own nuclear capabilities within a year. Worst case scenario, it's not an amicable, amicable divorce. Do you think it would be, honestly? No. Yeah, I think they would They would be. Um, I think they would do everything in their power to make us stay because they need slaves. They need the money. Mm-hmm. They, they need our income more than anything else. They need us to continue to produce what we produce. Um, they might tell their followers, they might tell their plebes, oh, no, we can do this. We don't need those people. We, we will have a utopia. We will have the Democrat socialist utopia that we've all dreamed of. And Bernie Sanders would lead that charge, right? Within a year, they would all be looking for toilet paper. I, I can uh, imagine Kamala Harris being like, let me be clear. <laughs> she wouldn't even go to our border. She'd be like, let me be clear. <laughs> This whole secession thing, it's, it's ridiculous. It's pretty good, by the way. That was a good impression. Yeah, I like the she does it this jiggles. thing with her arms where she goes. Well, is she her, like a Muppet when she does that? It's I like they're loose. Tell. I can tell she's lying when she starts laughing randomly. Can you tell when she's telling the truth? I mean, does she ever, she's always cackling. That's does a fair she, question. Does she does she ever actually tell the truth? Truth. Was, was she smoking weed in college, listening to Snoop and stuff? Snoop and, and Tupac. It hadn't even come out yet. hadn't even come out yet. I believe you. I, I listen to Tupac. In the comments, Kamala. All right, so. She's a white man lover. <laughs> Traitor. Exactly. <laughs> Just like this little Wow. <laughs> in the comments. Well, you know, and. I've heard a lot of interesting questions about this national divorce idea, and I've heard a lot of utopian arguments from both like sort of the right and the left in terms of how they'd like to see it done. Personally, in my head, I see something really ugly, really violent, and really awful for both sides. I think that would be the reality. And I think that maybe we recover quicker on the right. Maybe we're able to create a union that, that it bounces back and it creates something worthwhile that people can be proud of. But I think that we will have to spend a lot of blood, treasure, and young people in order to achieve it the reality is it won't be easy mm. that's the reality the hope is is that they're actually stupid enough to believe that they can let us go and survive so you think that there's hope in the fact that they're just so utterly stupid and self-absorbed that they would actually allow it to happen to some extent before and before they could get their fingers into us and prevent it forever i think they would sell it to themselves better than we could sell it to them hmm like, yeah, yeah, we want them to go. They've been a drain on us forever. The people in New York pay for our lives. Didn't you know that? I just, it's hard to believe that they'd let us go. I, I think it would be the ones in D.C. Like, I think it would be the smarter, like, I think AOC would be like, let them go. Let them go. But I think it would be like your Bernie Sanders and your quieter Democrats that'll be like, holy sh, we can't do that. The ones you know where that. the money come from, they would be exactly. the ones Well, you know, it's like, uh, it's like John Arthur Ryan, Arthur Clareau, our last guest on the last show. He yeah. made an interesting point because he's a Canadian citizen. And he says that Alberta has gone out of their way to be sort of their own sort of conservative utopia in their right. minds. And I have seen how people treat Albertans on the internet. And I've seen how they treat them politically. They won't let them go. They will never let them become separatists the way that they want to. Like the way Quebec wanted to at one time. Right. Yeah. 
they're hmm. not they will never let them break up the Canadian Union partly because I think treasure resources travel restrictions all kinds of other things and I think also it would make Canada feel weak maybe we can make a trade we'll trade them Canada the feels strong we'll take Alberta <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, yeah, I know I oversold them there. Maybe that's what we need to do. We'll trade them to Northeast. They can have New York. They can have all that. We we take Alberta in a straight path all the way up to uh, Alaska. Maybe that's it. Alberta will be our first ally, and we can be like, finally, you can have your little. And then Arthur area. can come visit without having to show his passport. Unfortunately, that's he's right. from Toronto. Oh well. So he'd be an enemy Darn territory. Darn it, Arthur! Darn it, we'd Arthur! Have to, we'd have to have like a prisoner exchange with the left. You know, like to be able to get like. You know, people we love out of LA. And I want to like help Oklahoma. them relocate. Yeah, I, I'm willing to help. And which, we can we can send the liberals and the abortion people back to like Washington and Oregon. You know what? They can go kill all their babies in California. Listen, if 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 North Carolina became that state where it says, "Sorry, we're going to stay in the union," I'm, I'm moving. I don't have a. <laughs> we're problem moving with too, right, baby? Yeah. Might have to. I mean, we can leave the dog Wilbur here. He'll you, you he'll can live do with this anywhere. Oh, right? oh, I mean, no, can't leave the dog. How's that line? You just crossed in the, the comments, kidding, baby. I'm kidding. Never in the comments, talk dog. about the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur said, I love North Carolina. I don't want to leave. <laughs> no, he would sniff you out and find you in Florida. He would. <laughs> oh, is that where you're going? You, you decided Florida, that's it? Is that where uh, you're Texas, I think. Texas. I want to live somewhere warm where I won't be chilly. Well, we've got a couple minutes left on the show. So I'm going oh, to give the floor to uh, to you to yes. make the final to make the final sales pitch on this secession idea because like a lot of people fantasize about it but I don't think people really think it over. It's I mean it's not a it's not an easy thought process. I mean you have to think about you have to think about independence for everything though. Uh, the state of North Carolina is dependent upon other states now for for oil, gas, whatever. You can go down the list. I mean North Carolina doesn't have a refinery Therefore, we are not a producer of a product. So therefore, we are dependent upon other states. Yeah. We could say this about many things in the state of North Carolina. Mm. So I'm just only using North Carolina as an example for right now. And I'm not trying to say that that if North Carolina seceded from the union, that it would become all of a sudden, it would have all of these things. That's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that we have to view our current situation now. Are we, as Americans, are we as independent as we need to be? I mean, we rely on manufacturing from China. We rely on mm -hmm. so many products from so many other places. Uh, the, the question remains, how do we break that dependency from everyone else? And then it comes back to maybe our government is the problem. And if states can, if states can understand that that problem is the federal government and we can't break from that then we should break from the union itself to form a more perfect union hmm. well it's an intense topic and i'm really glad i got you on here to talk about it because i can tell you've given it a lot of thought um do yeah. you have anything in closing like no i think that's good i think you know we, we got a lot of people fighting to um change things and you know i mean even i i make videos for a particular organization which i shan't say right now and at the end, I'm always like, you know, if we can elect conservatives, if we can elect conservatives, if we can elect conservatives. And it's it, it seems like it helps enough to, like, hold the line a little bit. Like, if you're playing tug of war, it's like nobody's just falling into the mud, but they're just standing their ground. But it just doesn't feel like we're making headway. It, and with Trump, it felt like we were a little bit. Yeah. But everybody that knew anything knew 
that you need to fire this guy, you need to fire this guy, and all of those people at the end of the day turn on him, and then even some Republicans. And I, I remember when Mike it, Pence, right, Sorry. right. I remember when Trump lost, and all of these conservative slash Republican. Uh, con, uh, like senators and congressmen were quiet. Tom Tillis. And then I got, and then I I got diagnosed with cancer. It was the worst winter ever. I was like, everything sucked. It was just like, yeah, like, and then I'm I'm thinking about starting a life with this tall hunk of, like this tall glass of milk, and and I'm like, milk. wow, well, like, what kind of country are my kids going to grow in, grow up in? I don't know. Like, I, I legitimately don't know. And then me and Scott are starting this podcast. Let's fight. Let's fight. Are we making headway? Like, we we change some minds, like people who don't pay attention to politics. But at the end of the day, it's like, is, that, is this last resort our only choice? You know, like, because they're not going to D.C. and changing things. No. They're not going to D.C. Like, like, is anyone fighting big tech? No. No one's fighting big tech just in DC. Sticking our fingers they're, in a dam. They're, right? they're they're bowing down and kissing the ring every time they go to DC. And I, I promise you, just from what we're talking about tonight, twenty twenty two, if if those those elections aren't monitored, and I say closely monitored, I mean if there's not a Republican in every single counting room in twenty twenty two watching every single vote go through, and I don't care how many votes get flooded in from absentee about fake absentee ballots and whatnot if we're not watching the ballots this time it'll be status quo and the country will continue this downward slide and in and, and our and i think in our lifetime and maybe even paul's wow. Com- <laughs> comment mean. section on old people abuse that was mean in yeah. our lifetime i'm trying to make a serious point <laughs> sorry help in, in our lifetime I think that we're going to see a very different country by the time you and I are in our 50s and 60s. Mm. I really, really, if something doesn't change, if something doesn't change, because we keep sending people to D.C. and they tweet good things and you you give a heart to the tweet and you give a heart to the Instagram post and you give a thumbs up to the Facebook post. But and then you look around and nothing's changing. You still got lesbians yelling, white lesbian young ladies yelling at you about masks. You still got people saying, if you don't get the vaccine, you can't be in the military. You get a dishonorable discharge. It's, it's insane. Like our country has gone so far left into tyranny that like when I listen to the radio, when I listen to podcasts, I I can't believe what I'm hearing. And so then I'm like, well, daggum, secession sounds real good. I mean, my body, my choice went out the window real quick for them, didn't it? It did. All all logic and and basically everything became 1984 almost to a T in Animal Farm within two years. Oh, speaking of my body, my choice, these these freaking people they get on they get online and they're like oh oh well you know it's a it's a it's the woman's choice my mother was at in the parking lot of the abortion clinic going to abort me and so i look at those heifers and i go oh so you would have given her an, a, a round of applause if she had me right yes they would have and and they're like you would have because you're doing it every single day to all kinds of children. Like we're living in a backwards world where they're like, you should get the jab. I should be able to abort my child. You need to wear a mask. I should be able to diddle children without consequences. Mm. Everything is backwards. And so when they hear someone, when people hear someone like Paul talking about secession, they think it's crazy, but they're not seeing 
in our lens. And it's not just our lens. It's it, We got the truth over here and we're measuring everything by the truth. You can't save everybody. I think it's I think it's crazy. It's so annoying. I think it's crazy to voluntarily exist in this current society any longer. Mm-hmm. I think it's legitimately insane. I think any person who looks around them and tries to pretend that this is normal and it'll blow over either needs to get their head checked mm-hmm. or is pretending because they're terrified. And I think that the idea of secession is one of the few things that actually gives me like a bright speck of hope in some distant galaxy that may never come to be or whatever. But I still think that it's going to cost us. It will. I'm willing to pay that cost. Uh, if it, if, and listen, I think it's just especially important if that it's people money, understand. How much do you want? And so I if think, it's money, I'll give you the only five dollars. But, I, but I think I think it's not something that should just be discussed and war gamed on podcasts and shows for entertainment. I think it's something that should be seriously brought up in Republican meetings. Elected Republicans meetings. should be talking about it openly yeah. right now. They because should be threatening the federal government every single day. Saying, they're not going to, Paul. Enough of them don't even talk about the Twenty Fifth Amendment with Joe Biden. They listen. They they're. Most Republican who most Republicans who are elected right now are too afraid to stand up, much less fight. I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're going over time, Sorry. and I could love Sorry, to talk guys. about this, all the things. But, um, There's an after show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as always, I'm gonna give the guests the last word. So, what are your final thoughts on this topic before we close it out? Uh, I want to say thanks because this was fun. First of all, we didn't have uh, you on again. Having you, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. for the heck of it, uh, Joel. If you're watching, I know you are, right? Uh, I still love spending time with you, sweetie. But this was great fun for me tonight. <laughs> so I hope you let me do it again. Chonilla. Yeah, you see that? <laughs> no, um, it's uh, secession is a should be a topic that we talk about openly. And the biggest reason why is because the the left in this country, especially the quote unquote leading left, who is whatever you want to call Joe Biden, if you want to call him the president, former can, vice president, you can call him whatever you want. President asterisk. Exactly. Asterisk. That's all right. This administration, the Nancy Pelosi's, everybody else, they feel like they're dictating to us. If we start talking about it openly, this gives them a reason to pause and back up at least. You should not be afraid to bring it up. You should not be afraid to talk about it in public. You should not be afraid to talk about it at events. If you talk about it enough, enough people will stand up and say, at least we have another option. So, Well, on that note, that ends our show. We appreciate you all for tuning in. We appreciate you you all for being patient with us with our technical difficulties early on. Um, This is take two of the episode. He pressed some buttons. But um, secession is an important topic. It's a scary topic, just like uh, revolution and civil war that we discussed last week. But that's what we do on this show. All right. We're the two America show for a reason. I, she and I saw this coming a long time ago, and we're not going to shy away from these difficult topics because they need to be not only discussed, but they need to be seriously considered as political tools. I mean, things have gone so far that at this point, I think everything's on the table. And I think that the more that we embrace that mentality, as Paul pointed out, the more likely it will give our enemies pause and maybe it'll slow the progress of the destruction. But if we're going to play nice and play footsie with the left, they're going to eat us alive. Yep. Well, anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember to subscribe at the urban conservative. You can see shows like ours Two Americas, as well as a duel Raheem. And you've got the Hensley report. You've got Clarence Henderson and other new aspiring conservative content creators, which will be featured on the network. This is what keeps us alive, folks. Big tech is out to get us. So we being behind a paywall for $10 a year, which is nothing, is what allows us to keep saying what we're saying and to say the truth and to say it how we see it. So thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate every single one of you, and we will see you next week. 
Goodbye.